0: This is Slay Church on the street, I'm Candace, we're gonna ask some people some questions of Waterloo Park, let's go. Okay, so we're just out here in the park asking people the question of what is out of pocket? What does that mean? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, when you, when you say something that like, you're not supposed to in a specific event. Yeah. And you're just like, man, you're so out of pocket there. There you go. What does out of pocket mean? Hmm, we don't like that question. We got it. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Another question for you then, since you're really not vibing with this original one. What's the most out-of-pocket thing in the Bible? He introduced <laughs> the donkey. <Was> that a <laughs> pocket? That out-of-pocket. I yeah, I feel like I should just walk away. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> fair. Hey, I don't think you guys are doing anything important right now. Can I ask you guys a question? No, okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, what does out-of-pocket mean to you? What does out-of-pocket mean? Yeah. Like, like, on expenditures, or like, kind of, like, uh, I'm a quick, um... Trying to be like, oh yeah, it's not like think of over-the-counter where it's like, but um, it's like, uh, yeah, all of your own like, funds and savings but off-hand, right? That's like kind of like a, yeah, yeah. yeah something like that. Yeah. <laughs> just be in the way a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. You <laughs> can sit there. What's out-of-pocket mean? means something possible. that is ridiculous. Being out of character. Yeah. And then acting kind of. It could be disrespectful or it could just be like uh, goofy. Out of pocket, um, that's when something happens and you're just like, I don't know. I think, you know him, oh I know him. I actually do know him. That's so funny. Should we do a retake? No, he's coming back. He's coming back to say hi. How you doing, man? Hey. What's this? Yo, we're doing an interview. Uh, oh, really? What does out-of-pocket mean? Uh, uh, yeah. That right? Things that are just not supposed to be happening, supposed to be said. Okay. That's like, good. this is out-of-pocket, you know? Like, yeah. This shouldn't have been said. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Something that's not appropriate for its context. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Like CJ stealing my interview. Out-of-pocket. Yeah. yeah. Out-of-pocket. <laughs> out-of-pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I, I will say, too, I was watching that video from... I will put. I don't know why I brought this up with me. I'll put it there. I was watching that video from back there, and when you're back there looking at the screen, everything looks totally stretched and warped. And I'll say, it's pretty funny, like, straight up. It's even funnier when everybody's face just looks like a giant monstrosity. But it was good stuff. Um, hey, so we are jumping into this out-of-pocket series right now. Uh, And and basically, like as it was explained in the video, it's something that's like off-base, out-of-line. And what we want to do is we want to take a look at the Bible, take a look at Scripture, and look at some of the things that, for us, feel out-of-pocket, that feel way off-base, that feel like, wow, that just seems like it was inappropriate, or why does the Bible talk about that? Why does it say that? Uh, And... um, and, uh, and just kind of unpack some of those things. Actually, can I just get a stool? Okay. Oh, okay. Sweet. Thank you. There it is. Because um, I feel like I've seen Brandon do it lately, and I'm like, man, that looks fun. And this one's probably going to be a little more of just like talking through some stuff than like uh, rather than, than being as high energy as usual. All right. I want to start off today by reading scripture. I want to read from Second Timothy verses uh, or Second uh, Timothy, chapter three, verses 14 to 17. It says this. It says, "But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for the word that you have given us. God, we just thank you for this Bible, these holy scriptures, Lord, and just the way that you have inspired them and spoken through them. I pray right now that as we gather together this morning, that you would just stir something in our hearts, Lord God. That through your word and the teaching of it, we would just be transformed and drawn closer to you. Pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. And everybody said, all right, there we go. You're awake. Um, Yeah, so this series is called, here, I just got to get myself set up a little bit. All right, this series is called Out of Pocket, and each message in this series, we're kind of going to be looking at a different question. Uh, uh, oftentimes looking at specific things in the Bible that we're like, whoa, that seems crazy, that seems wild. Is the Bible anti-science? Is the Bible anti-women? Why do all the character, the main heroes in the Bible kind of suck and do really bad things? Uh, what What is up with the violence in the Bible and hell? And some heavy topics we're going to be discussing over the next little bit. Um And today, I kind of want to start with a bit of a foundational question, which is, is the Bible worth reading? Is the Bible actually worth reading? You know, I think a lot of us, if we've grown up in church, we've heard this passage from 2 Timothy. We've heard, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It's something that has probably been drilled into us if we have much experience with church and with faith. And I think that even for many of us that would say like, yes, I believe that for sure. I totally think that's true. I think that's real. Like all scriptures God breathed. Yeah. I think that even in that situation, even for a lot of us that uh, call ourselves Christians that would believe that the Bible is a holy Bible, that it is a holy book, that it is holy scriptures from God. I think there's still this lingering question for a lot of us where we're, we're maybe not totally convinced that it's actually worth reading. And I bet for many of us, if like, somebody asked you, is the Bible worth reading, you'd be like, yeah, of course. Like, obviously, that's what I have to say. That's the answer I need to give. But if we look deep down, if we actually look at the habits and the practices of our lives, our relationship with the Bible, our relationship with Scripture, I think that a lot of us really struggle with actually living out a life that looks like the Bible is worth reading. That it's worth something diving into and understanding and breaking down and informing who we are. See, I'm not even trying to talk today about people who, like, don't believe in the Bible at all or think that it's not from God at all. I, that there's a whole other set of arguments. There's a whole other conversation that is around this idea of like, hey, like the historicity of the Bible and all of that. And I think they're really good arguments. And it's a good conversation. And I believe in it. And I believe that the Bible is from God. And, and there's all these great reasons why. But I think that for many of us, we have at one point or another, whether we still believe the Bible is good and true in a holy book or not, at some point or another, we've tried to approach it that way. We've gone to it saying, okay, like I this is this is the word of God. This is something good. This is something valuable. And we've kind of found ourselves stuck. We, we try reading it, and it oftentimes just doesn't make any sense to us. It's like dense and uses language we don't understand. And sometimes there's these they's and thou's and thou arts and whom's and all these like crazy words. And then there's like all this kind of random stuff in here that we're just like, wait, what is it talking about? Like we read Philippians 4.13 and says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and then we see our favorite football player write it on their helmet, but then they lose the big game, and we're like, man, okay, wait, was it actually real? Was it actually true? Like, what does this actually mean? Like, like, can you just say whatever you want out of the Bible? We read Deuteronomy 22.9 that says, do not plant two kinds of seeds in your vineyard. If you do not, only the crops you plant uh, if you do, not only the crops you plant, but the food of the vineyard will be defiled. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Are, like, my tomatoes not going to turn out because they're planted next to my onions? Like, what does this actually mean? We read Leviticus 11.10, and it talks about, but all the creatures in the seas or streams that do not have fins or scales. And it goes on to say that those are going to be unclean. And it's like, man, like, do I got to, like, stop eating shrimp scampi? Like, like man, is that prohibited by the Bible? and we go on and we we read in Leviticus about these like atoning sacrifices and the need to sacrifice rams and bulls and goats and these different animals to God and it's like to even like be in his presence and we're like what the heck like why did all these animals have to be killed and so much more than that we see this like we see violence we see polygamy we see mentions of hell and eternal punishment we see all this different stuff in the Bible when we actually go to read it and I think there are a few common responses that we can kind of end up with after this experience of feeling confused, of feeling frustrated, of not understanding. I think sometimes we can get to a place where we're like, I just don't need to understand it. I just, I don't, I don't know. Like, I just can't. And we feel futile and we feel stupid, to be honest. And I think it kind of gets us down on ourselves. It gets us frustrated with ourselves. And we're like, I know I'm supposed to read the Bible. I've been told time and time and time and time again that reading the Bible is important. This is something I'm supposed to be doing, yet I just don't understand it. And so we end up in this place of frustration and in this place of like, oh my gosh, like maybe I'm just a bad Christian. Maybe I'm not smart enough. And we start to think like, you know what, maybe I just don't need to understand it. Maybe like I can just read it and that's fine. I can just, like, the whole thing is, like, I think we hear time and time and time again, like, we need to read our Bibles, we need to read our Bibles, we need to read our Bibles. And I would challenge us this morning that reading our Bibles isn't good enough. We need to actually understand our Bibles. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But I think a lot of us get to this place where we give up on the understanding. But we've been told so many times we're supposed to read it. So we wake up every morning and we open the Uversion app and we make it as painless as possible. And we look at it for 10 minutes, uh, you know, maybe every other morning. And we, like, just power through because it's what we're supposed to do. We check the box and we move on without getting anything from it. I think for others of us, we just decide that we can't interpret it. It's like, you know what, I can't really understand it. I can't really interpret it, so I'm just going to listen to podcasts. I'm just going to listen to messages. I'm just going to show up and hear teaching on Sundays because, you know what, the Bible isn't for me to understand. It's not for me to interpret. I just can't do it, so I'm just going to rely on others for it. But the problem when we have this, when, we, start, when we, we get frustrated, when we don't understand it, when we start to rely on others to interpret Scripture for us, is that it actually stops being valuable for our day-to-day lives. And we actually don't see the Bible and our relationship with it and our study of it and our diving into it as something that's actually important for who we are and who we're becoming and for our understanding of life. And when that's the case, it becomes really hard to defend our faith. And as soon as there's challenges, as soon as there's pushback, as soon as we see a meme online that's like, uh, you know, the Bible's so ridiculous, it like prohibits shrimp or like you call yourself a Christian, but you plant your vegetables beside each other or whatever it is, like, man, like. Yeah, like, I guess I don't really know why that's in there. Yeah, I guess I really don't understand this. And I think, sadly enough, a lot of times when people are then challenged on their faith with these questions and even bigger, more tricky cultural issues that we face in our world today, we end up in a place of just believing none of it's real, losing our faith entirely, walking away from it because we never actually understood it. And so today, I want to take a little bit of time, and I want to actually speak to why the Bible... Oh, I still got a little kid's name tag on here. I didn't even see that. That's nice. We want to actually speak to, like, why the Bible is valuable for our lives. Make a case for what it looks like to actually wrap ourselves up in the story of Scripture, to find ourselves in this book, and to see the beautiful way that it can actually transform and change who we are. I think the first kind of thing that I want to get across. and I think the biggest point that I have for us today is that the Bible is a story. The Bible is a story. There is a narrative component to the Bible. And I think this is actually like foundational for understanding the whole thing, for having any conception of what the Bible is as a whole, for how we can read it, and how we can use it in our day-to-day lives, is first understanding that the Bible is a story. You know, with every good story, it's like Um, there's just like something so powerful about reading a good story. Like I was reading a book this past week at the cottage, and honestly, it sucked. Like it was a bad book. I'm not even gonna say it. I don't want to recommend it. It's like a really famous book. It's talked about being great. All this stuff. I hated it. But the annoying thing was the frustrating part. And it's not like a small book. It's like about yay thick. It's like, uh, like, a, like over 1,000 pages. It's this massive fiction book, and I'm reading it, and I'm hating it as I read it, and I could not put it down. And I think that just illustrates the power of story in our lives, the power of story for us as human beings. We connect with story. We connect with narrative. And this annoying book was like bad. I didn't like it. I didn't like the subject matter, I didn't like what it was talking about, I didn't like the way it made me feel while I read it, I didn't enjoy reading this book, but the story was strong enough, and it was well-written enough that I still just couldn't put it down. I was like, well, I have to finish it, I have to get through it, and I think this speaks to the power of story for us as humans. It's actually one of the primary ways that we understand the world around us. Uh, Research has been done. Uh, to try and figure out if humans were logical beings. And the, the study came back pretty conclusively, no, we're not. We're not logical beings. We think we're logical, we think we're rational, but actually most of our understanding of the world is based on story. It's based on what we've seen in the past and then kind of projecting that into the future. And sometimes we get it right and a lot of times we don't get it right. But this is how our minds work. And so I think in a really beautiful it's really beautiful that God has given us these scriptures, this holy book, in the form of a narrative, in the form of a story. In a way that us as humans are actually built to understand and to process and work through. And so what we see in the Bible is that there's this arc. We have creation. We have uh, uh, this this creation of the world, There's, this beautiful, perfect creation with Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis, and then we have the fall. We have sin entering into the world, and we see the consequences and the effects of sin throughout history as we go through the Bible. We see the negative impacts of what a world with brokenness, with what a world of sin actually looks like. And then we have redemption. We actually have Jesus entering into the scene, We have him showing up in the midst of history and providing a way for us to not actually own the consequences for our bad actions, the consequences for our sins, but actually being able to find freedom in him and everlasting life through his sacrifice for us on the cross and his resurrection. Uh, And then we have uh, restoration, which is what is to come, and this future restoration as through Jesus, when he comes back again, he's going to bring all things to him and restore all things to the beauty and glory and true potential that they have. And so we have this whole history, this whole storyline that goes from all the way from uh, creation to eternity that we get to see here in scripture. I think it's really important for us to understand this for ourselves and for understanding the Bible. And there's certain things that we're going to have to take away from how we read scripture because it is a story. And it's a story that is written for us, but not to us. It is a story that is written for us, but not to us. See, the Bible is for us. It is uh, 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 inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is God's word to his people. It is all of this is good for us. It is all worth studying and understanding and breaking down, Uh, but it wasn't written to us. See, the Bible isn't just one book. Uh, The Bible is a collection of books that are gathered together. One author uh, describes this as it's more of a library of books, and when we open up the Bible, we need to see it as if we're going to a library. And there's different sections, and there's different genres. There is like the poetry section, and the history section, and the gospels, like the accounts of Jesus, and, and all these different elements and components to it. And so when we look at the Bible, we need to understand that each of these books of the Bible was written uh, to a specific people at a specific time in a few, a couple different languages over uh, a thousand years. And so there's a few things that we can kind of take away when we see the Bible this way. It's a story. It is written for us. The Holy Spirit is working in all of it. It is meant for us to use, but it wasn't originally written to us. And so we actually need to understand the context and where it comes from and, and what's going on and who it was written to and what kind of book we're reading and what kind of writing we're reading whenever we find ourselves in Scripture. So the Bible is a story. It is written for us, not to us. And what this means is that there is a certain way for us to read it. There's a certain way for us to read the Bible. There's certain questions we should be asking ourselves, certain ways of approaching the Bible uh, that we actually need to take if we want it to be valuable and we want to understand it. And so I want to come back quickly to our question of, is the Bible worth reading? And I think it's worth saying, like, it might not be. Like, if we're coming to the Bible, and we're just like not thinking it through at all, we're not putting in any of that work. We're not really considering it. We're not praying into it and trusting the Holy Spirit as we approach it. If we're coming to the Bible and we're like, "All right, I just want to read something that is going to affirm what I want to believe," if we're coming to it and we're like, "All right, I'm going to read Philippians, and uh, uh, I'm going to read Philippians." Uh, uh, 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and you know what, that is going to get me through uh, this exam that I didn't study for. It's like, good, rely on God, pray to him. That's not a promise you're going to pass your exam that you didn't study for. Like, that's a different thing. And I really think that, that what we've seen is that there are these passages of the Bible and ways that this book has been used throughout history in honestly really horrible ways, People have approached the Bible and they've twisted it and contorted it out of its proper meaning and its proper context to justify slavery. People have taken the Bible and and they've built up uh, um, all these ideas and expectations without understanding it properly, and then they've had their faith shattered and broken because it was never actually understood. And I think if we're coming to the Bible with a, a kind of a wicked heart, and we're coming to the Bible not actually wanting to learn and to grow and to be challenged, not actually surrender to the Holy Spirit, not actually surrender to what God is doing without the proper perspective, then maybe it's not worth reading. I don't know. I think it can still be worth reading. I think that if we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit can work, and he can shine through that, and whatever negativity and baggage we're bringing to it, I think that there is potential for him to break through that. I'm never going to counsel anybody to not read the Bible, but I do think we need to take this seriously in terms of how we're approaching it. But why is it worth doing all this work? You're probably sitting here like, okay, this sounds kind of boring. This sounds kind of like tiresome. sounds like a lot of thinking and a lot of study. And I just don't know if I have time in my life for this. I don't know if I want to do this. I want to read a quote from this book by Dallas Willard that I think really stuck out to me in this context. He's talking about the context of our lives here. And he kind of starts, before we get into the quote, talking about the word water. So like if you just say the word water, you actually don't know if I'm going to use that as a noun or a verb. Because you can water something, like that sinful vegetable garden that has the two different vegetables beside each other. But you can also describe water as, hey, uh, uh, I need a drink of water. It's also a noun. It's a thing. So if you just look at the word water on a page... You actually don't know what it's talking about exactly. You don't know how it's going to be used. You don't know the meaning. You don't know the context. But if I say I'm going to water my plants, or if I say water is essential to life on this planet, then we begin to understand. He goes on, and this is the quote I want to read. He says, Events in a human life are like that, and so is a human life as a whole, as well as human life itself. They resemble the opening words in an unfinished sentence, paragraph, chapter, or book. In a sense, we can identify them and grasp them, but we cannot know what they mean and really are until we know what comes later. You know, I think this is... like the most important thing about this message, the most important thing about how we approach and understand and study scripture is actually understanding this, that the Bible is not just a story. The Bible is our story. Now, the, we are not the main characters of the Bible. God is the main character of the Bible. But the Bible is our story. See, we can't understand who we are. We can't understand our childhood. We can't understand our past traumas and our past hurts. We can't understand our future and our potential. We can't understand the why behind our work and our relationships and our life unless we actually understand the context of our lives. Unless we actually see the sentence around it. And the sentence around each of our lives is this story of scripture. It is this story of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. It's a story of a perfect God creating people in a perfect world who fell and brought brokenness into it and sinfulness into it but have been redeemed by Jesus and are going to be further restored into eternity. And unless we actually understand our history and our roots, unless we actually understand the depths of brokenness of humanity that we see all throughout the whole Old Testament, unless we actually understand the faithfulness and the holiness and the consistency of God working with people over time, unless we actually understand the bright and beautiful hope and eternity and future that we have in Christ, we're going to live our lives the wrong way. We're going to live our lives lacking meaning, missing something. always searching for more but never being able to quite find it see the bible isn't just a story worth reading it is our story and in that case the bible is not just worth reading but it's worth devouring it's worth being completely caught up in it's worth meditating on it's worth being wrapped up in and just like totally enthused and diving fully into it and allowing it to transform us from the inside out So how do we understand it? How do we actually do this? I just want to hit us with a few really quick questions that we can be asking ourselves as we go through Scripture. Think kind of, sorry, not just questions that we're asking ourselves, but ways we can approach Scripture. See, first, we need to approach Scripture with prayer. We need to approach scripture with prayer and the Holy Spirit. It says in the passage that we read uh, in 2 Timothy, it describes uh, it describes them as the holy scriptures. They're perfect and set apart. It says that when we read them, we can become wise through faith in Jesus Christ to our salvation through faith. And it says that they are God breathed. See, this is not just a book. It is not just writing on the level of all other writing. It is not just good theology. It is certainly not fiction. But it is actually inspired by God and stands apart and set above all other words ever committed to page. And so we can't approach it like we would approach other writing. We can't approach it like we would approach other reading. We need to approach Scripture prayerfully, humbly, humbly. Surrendering ourselves before God and saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust that you're going to move through this. That this is not just me reading and studying and understanding as a dull exercise in knowledge, but that you are alive and you are active and you are working through this time that I'm spending reading. You're working through this time that I'm spending in scripture and you're going to transform me through it. And honestly, it changes the way we read the Bible. Uh, going back to our verse in Philippians 4.13, uh, it changes the way that we read this passage, not just looking at it and be like, all right, what do I have going on that I need to Christ to strengthen me for? But we can come into it humbly and surrendered, praying to God that he's going to speak to us and transform us through it. And we can see the real beauty, the real promise behind these words. We can read a little bit above this verse where Paul is talking about the suffering and the pain that he is going through and how he is saying, but I, can get through it all through Christ who strengthens me and we can know that in the midst of our challenges in the midst of our praying in the midst of our problems if we're surrendering to God and we're coming to him that he can strengthen us and empower us for what he has called us to and so as we approach scripture prayerfully as we approach it as a dialogue and a conversation with God we know that he is active in us we then need to begin to ask good questions you know, a few examples, and we're going to have like a guide that's going to come out sometime throughout this series that actually has some of these that you can just keep as a bookmark in your Bible to help you uh, do this. But we need to ask questions like, where are we in the story? If the Bible is the story, is a story, if the Bible is a narrative, we actually need to understand where we are in the Bible if we're going to understand what we're reading. See, we need to understand in Deuteronomy 22, nine when it says, do not plant two kinds of seeds in your vineyard if you do not only, if you do not." Uh, If you do, not only the crops you plant, but the food of the vineyard will be defiled. We need to understand that this was written at a time in the story uh, that is looking towards Jesus coming. It's a time in the story when people have fallen and Jesus has not yet come. And God is extending his relationship to his people, to the Israelite people, through a specific set of rules that are going to keep them set apart. He is showcasing his character for all of humanity and for the rest of history. He's showing who he is through his relationship with the Israelite people, and in doing so, A major part of that is them being set apart to show God's main character as holiness. And what we see is that likely, if we actually ask another one of our questions, who is the original audience, uh, what we can see looking at this is that the original audience was Israelite people who lived in a context where what we likely understand is that the neighboring uh, 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 people groups around them, part of their worship of other gods was by mixing things together. And so they had this spiritual practice of actually mixing different things together as a way of, like, calling upon their gods and and seeking them out. And so this is not saying that for all time and all contexts we can't plant two seeds beside each other. But what it's saying is that, hey, in this time, in this context, to be set apart, to actually fully distance yourselves from these uh, uh, other religious practices of these groups around us to show that we are the people of the one true God, then we're not going to do this. Similarly, we see with this whole idea of like not eating shrimp and not eating shellfish and all this kind of stuff, um, that likely this was another way of separating from uh, similar uh, other religious practices in the area. And what we can see as we look into it and we dive into scripture and we study it more is that we don't always know the answers completely. We don't always have all the answers. With the shrimp one, it's like, hey, there's two kind of main theories. One is that it's a dietary thing. There was less science and understanding at this time. Uh, Some of those types of seafood can be a lot more full of bacteria if you eat them raw. And so maybe it was a safety thing for God's people. Um, But there's also a theory and an understanding that likely this is actually based on religious practices that would have been near the Israelites in the Near East at this time. And so when we look at this and we go to seek scripture, we go to understand it, we need to ask ourselves, where are we in the story? who is the original audience, what kind of writing is this, and actually begin to understand the context around it. And what we need to know when we ask ourselves these questions is that in all of scripture, the original audience understood what was going on. Even if we don't fully understand, even if we have some questions and we're like, okay, I don't totally get how this all fits together, we can understand that the original audience knew what was going on, it made sense at that time, and then we can through that process, understand what is for us and what is not for us. So we need to ask these good questions. And as we do, I think we can look at the old law. We can look at uh, uh, this different periods of history in the Bible. We can look at things that are historical records. And we're like, oh my gosh, was a horrible thing. And like, why were all these people polygamous and all this kind of stuff? And we can be like, well, that's history. It's not saying what should be done. It is saying what happened. And what we can begin to do is we can begin to parse it out and sort it out and understand it. And I believe that as we go through this process of actually unpacking Scripture, of actually taking the time to research it, to dive into it, to ask these questions, we can begin to see, like, a beauty in the middle of it that's going to speak to our lives. I think there's still probably some people are like, okay, this is great, but I don't get why a prohibition on strip matters for my life. Like, I don't get, like... I don't get why a prohibition on planting cross beside each other matters for my life. And honestly, what I believe matters in this is, like, this is our story and our history. God has not changed. He is still the same God. And, yes, how we worship him is different. Some of the more uh, tr- tradition-based laws such as these that were for, like, a specific society that was being governed don't apply to us. The moral laws still do. But as we dive into it and we look at how God worked within his people, what we begin to see out of it is his character. We see that God desires to be set apart. We see that God is holy. He is set apart. He is not like other gods. He is not like other things that we can worship. He is not like other things that take up our time and our attention and our affection. And we begin to see through the depth of the history and the failings of people all throughout Scripture to actually live up to God's standards, the fundamental brokenness inside of us, the fact that we can actually not hit his standard, that we cannot be set apart on the level that God is set apart, that we can actually not in our own power and our own strength actually ever live up to who God is and the beauty of his love and his faithfulness and his heart towards us. And as we begin to look at this history, it actually adds a weight and a context to our lives. When we begin to struggle, when we begin to falter, when we begin to fall, when we begin to feel like we're not good enough or we're not living up to it or we're not reading our Bible enough or we don't understand enough or we're feeling weighted and burdened and burnt out on religion. We find ourselves in these places. We don't just have a a little taste or, or some some direction on this or that, but we have a whole story we can go back to. We have a whole narrative, a whole history, a deep and rich context of thousands of years of God working with people and people messing up, of showing that, yeah, we are going to mess up. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to fall and we are going to falter, but God is still going to be good. God is still going to send his son. God is still going to restore us ultimately, and we can find our faith and our hope in the beauty of this story. Finally, we need to approach scripture with community, with the people around us. See, when Paul is writing to Timothy in that verse from 2 Timothy we read, it's Paul writing to Timothy. And right before he kind of like talks about the scriptures with him, uh, he encourages Timothy like, hey, like, you know me, you know my life, you know what God's done in me and through me. And that is his first encouragement to Timothy of like, all right, so hold the faith and uh, here's what the scriptures look like. And what we see is that there's this beautiful thing where the Holy Spirit is working on all of us individually and in different ways. And the beautiful thing about the church and the community of believers is that we're actually sharpened by one another as the Holy Spirit works in each of us. And this is important when we come to scripture as well, that we're not coming to scripture and just leaving it for ourselves. But we're coming to scripture and bringing it up with others. Talking through the hard things. Wrestling it out in our locals. Having conversations with people about what we're struggling with. And what we're working through. And what God is doing in our lives. And allowing uh, those conversations to draw us closer to him. I kind of just want to end with this one final thought. There's a book called Eat This Book by Eugene Peterson. who wrote the message version of the Bible. And... Uh, I would recommend it totally. It's a great book. Um, And he kind of opens it up and he talks about his dog. And he's like, yeah, like my dog, like there's this thing where he just, he loves bones and, you know, he'll go and he'll, uh, uh, he'll grab, like find a bone or something and he'll like bring it in front of, uh, you know, like, like him and his wife and our little dog Chewie does this too. Um, and it's, like, brings it up and kind of prances around with it and, like, shows it off and then goes off to a kind of quieter place and just chews away at it, chews away at it, chews away at it. And, um, and he kind of, like, he talked about, um, you know, some different scriptures and stuff to explain, like, how this relates to our reading of the Bible. But ultimately, kind of what he came back to, this idea that scripture is meant to be consumed like a dog with a bone. It's not just something that is, like, a boring academic exercise it's not just something that is uh um just a rote thing that we need to do every day just because we're supposed to do it but the best way to consume scripture to actually take in this book is to treat it like a dog like a dog with a bone like something that we are just so contented and satisfied in, something that we are just excited to, to chew on and consume and break down and wrestle with, to, to have it be something that we actually internalize completely inside of us and find so much satisfaction and focus on. Our dog Chewy, he doesn't just like chew a bone for a minute. Like if we give him, like he has this one little plastic bone uh, and he's chewed it so much on the end it's basically turned into a shiv. Like, it's a weapon at this point. And he didn't get there by just, like, I don't know, two minutes every morning, quick, like, you know, chew on the bone. All right, I did my chew, and I'm good. It's like he obsesses over it. He dives into it. He gnaws on it. He spends time with it. It's like, it's like he's getting out his energy. It's satisfying He's working on it. He's throwing everything he has into this bone when he's chewing on it. And that's how... I hope we can approach scripture. And I hope if we get anything from this message today is to understand that this is our story. It is fundamental for understanding who we are and who God has called us to be. And if we want to get the most out of it, we need to dive all the way in. Why don't you guys stand up? I just want to take a second and pray for anybody um, who hasn't made a decision to follow Jesus before. You know, we kind of talked about this idea of this story of the Bible, of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, and this idea that we are sinful in and of ourselves. We have evil inside each of us. We have brokenness inside each of us. We deserve punishment for that. But thankfully, by the grace of God, he sent his son Jesus to take that punishment for us, to die on a cross, and then to rise again, defeating death and creating a way for us to have relationship with him for all of eternity. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, uh, if you're here this morning, you're like, hey, I just want to make a decision to follow Jesus. Never made this decision before. Uh, I I just like, but you know what? I want to make this choice to follow Jesus. The Bible says if you declare with your, uh, if you believe in your heart and profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you can have that relationship with him. So if you're like, you know, I'm tired of carrying this weight. I'm tired of carrying this burden. I want to choose Jesus this morning. Why don't you just raise a hand right now? Thank you. Yeah, I see that hand. Awesome. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for those in the room this morning making a decision to follow you. God, we just pray that you would be with them, that you would walk alongside them, Lord God, that they would know that you are with them even now in this moment, Lord Jesus. I just pray that you would send people and resources around them, Lord God, to 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 support them, to cheer them on, and to walk with them through this, God. In your name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate that? And hey, uh, if you're here this morning, you're like, you know what? Like, I'm just feeling tired of reading my Bible. Why don't we just close our eyes again? Let's just, let this be a private moment. We can bow our heads, close our eyes. But you're here you're like, man, I'm just feel burnt out on the Bible. I feel tired of it. I feel frustrated by it. I feel like it's just such a grind every day to like spend time with Jesus. And it just feels like something I'm supposed to do. And I just, I don't know how I can get that heart and that passion for it. I feel like I don't understand it. So I wanna take a minute and just pray for you right now. So why don't you put up your hand if that's you and you're like, yeah, I just like, I'm struggling with this. Thank you for your honesty. I really appreciate that. Let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, we just surrender before you, God. God, we thank you for the beauty of your word. God, we thank you for the beauty of scripture. Even when it's confusing, even when it frustrates us, even when we struggle to understand it, Lord God, we know that you are in it, that your spirit is moving through it, Lord God, and you want to work in us through this, Lord Jesus. God, I just pray right now for everybody who's raised their hands here this morning, Lord God, that honestly, you would just... Open their eyes in a fresh way, Lord God, that when they approach your word next time, Lord, that you would just stir something inside of them, Lord God, that we'd be able to approach this book with awe and reverence, Lord God, with prayer and with understanding, Lord Jesus. Pray this in your name. Everybody said, amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, Be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a Connect Card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.